And uh, so, yeah, so we are digging into sort of, I didn't expect to go back to the series. We did a series called Rise Up. And the series really was in the premise of our word for the year, which is Rise Up. Actually, the series was Rise Up and Build out of Nehemiah. And the word for the year is Rise Up. And we didn't know that um, what was going to come this year. And you didn't know in your own personal life what was going to come this year. I rolled into 2022 thinking, man, we're just going to ride the wave of 2021. That was a good year. And shoot, 2022 is a good year. It's just very different than I expected. And there are some obstacles. And so God has called us to rise up. Um, But it's not a call to say, hey, get your act together and be better. It's really what we found and as we studied it is the word is from Ephesians, I'm sorry, Philippians, where God says, where Paul is saying that you're called to an upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, God's saying, I have another level for you. I have another plateau for you. So I'm inviting you to rise up to a new place, a new plateau. I'm lifting a glass ceiling in your life so because I have more for you. And so we've sort of been processing that. And this series was all about that in Nehemiah. And so God put it on my heart to come back to this series one more time and sort of do a rewind. Like, you know how when, the, like when you watch the Avengers movies, how many of you watch the Avengers movies? Parents are like, I don't know, am I allowed to say that I watch them? I don't know. Is that okay? Um, and, and a lot of uh, series, movie series do this where you watch a little bit, Star, or, um, uh, Star Wars did this where you watch something and then the next movie comes out actually does a rewind and it's like what happened before all of that happened and so we're going to do that because, because we studied Nehemiah but what I want to study today and talk about is what happened before Nehemiah and we're going to start in a very familiar passage of scripture in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 and it says this For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. It's a familiar passage, but man, if we would believe it today, we would be different. God, I thank you for today. On this day and the word that you have for us, God. I thank you that your word truly is living and active. And so God, I thank you that it has the power to open up our eyes on the inside, the eyes of our heart as Paul prayed, that we might know the hope of your calling, your upward call to rise up. And so today, Jesus, we invite you to come, be in our midst. Today, our eyes and our gaze are on you, Jesus that we might be transformed. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is a famous passage of scripture. um, And the context of it is important today. The context of this passage, although many people use it as like a standalone for God, for God knows the plans he has, which he does, and it's true. And I I think that you can use it as a standalone because I think it's just truth. But in scripture, context is always important. And the context of this scripture is that God spoke to Jeremiah and said, I know the plans I have for these people, though they are being taken into captivity and being brought to Babylon. Remember when I said that I was going to do a rewind? Well, Nehemiah was all about the people being sent back 
to Jerusalem and Nehemiah going, hey, they need a wall and let's begin to rebuild. Well, this is before the rebuild. The walls aren't even broken down yet. Babylon is coming in and taking people from Jerusalem to Babylon. And so Jeremiah gets this word from the Lord saying, I still have plans and they're good for you and your people, though the people are being taken to Babylon in captivity. Now, I think that this is a word for us today, and I think it's pertinent. I think it's powerful, and I hope that it's not a word for us because the Journey Church people feel like they've been taken captive into Babylon. (laughs) Time will tell. So the title of my message today is The God of Every Season. God of every season. I feel like our tendency when we look at seasons in our life, which we're inevitably in a season in our life, and maybe you're in a great season, maybe you're on a tail end of a season, maybe you're heading into a rough season, maybe you're just like, I don't even, I don't know what season, but we're all in a season and every season's temporary. But I think that oftentimes we fall into, we fall we prey to the trap in seasons in our life where we view seasons as either one or the other. We either view them as insignificant, like, oh, don't put that slide up just yet, sorry. We view them as either insignificant as if to say, this is, this is temporary and not really much good's going to come out of this. I'm just sort of surviving until I get to here because this is not significant. Or we fall prey to thinking seasons are permanent. Well, this is just my plot in life. This is just the way things have turned out. And so this is how it's going to be. And it's sort of one extreme or the other, as if we are either distracted today, because this is an insignificant season. I'm distracted by today because I'm looking for tomorrow. Or deflated by what is. I'm either distracted by tomorrow or I'm deflated. So I've either lost the moment or lost my hope for the future. And you can put that slide up now. I put this, an insignificant season is void of purpose and a permanent season is void of hope. If it's insignificant, then it doesn't have much purpose. If the season you're in is insignificant, then you don't see it as very purposeful. You don't see it as very meaningful. You're not digging in going, wow, this is a significant purposeful season because it's not. It's just sort of a waiting period. Or a permanent season is like, this is just the way it is and there's not a lot of hope here. I'm going I'm to pull it together and I'm going to try to figure it out. But like, I don't have this destiny and purpose. And Jeremiah and all of that says, I know the plans I have for you. And oh, by the way, you just got taken away into Babylon, but I still know the plans. And it's a plan for a future and a hope. The enemy seeks to steal the incredible riches God has for you in today's season and kill the hope of tomorrow's destiny. So we look at Jeremiah and how God led his people to lay hold of all he had for them in every season. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're in a good season. 
in every season. So I want to I want to I want to pick apart three three simple ideas that we see in this incredible story. And again, I think it's fun because we've all heard Jeremiah 29:11, but picking apart what actually happened and digging in a little bit, there's some stuff that I found that I didn't actually even know was there that's so cool and lays out this this uh, pathway for us to maximize the seasons God's brought us and to allow him to call us upward. And the first one is this. We need to learn to bloom where we're planted. Jeremiah 29, verse 4 and 6, right before he says, for that I know the plans I have for you, Jeremiah says, this is what the Lord Almighty says to all those carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses Settle down, plant gardens and eat, marry and have sons and daughters, increase in number there, do not decrease. So this word from the Lord to Jeremiah came in as a response because the people that got taken away into Babylon got another word. And I don't know if you've ever had bad advice in the moment, sometimes you don't know it's bad advice. I don't know if you've ever acted on that bad advice and you're like, dang it, that was not good advice. I need to surround myself with more spiritually minded people. Yes. So, the, the, so the children of Israel, they got bad advice. And the, and, and the advice that they gave them was, um, don't put down roots here. This is insignificant and temporary. You will not be here long. God's going to rescue you. So just hold out. Don't make relation. Don't build relationships. Don't do anything significant because where God has you right now, he won't have you very long. So don't do anything. It's very interesting. It's so easy for us to have short-timer short syndrome. Short-timer syndrome. Not going to be here long. In fact, we're conditioned by this. We live in a constant state of what's next because we're not content with what is. I just need to survive in this season until I get this. And I've talked about this. We are conditioned by our culture to say, this season right here is not awesome. And so I'm not going to view it as significant. I just need to hold out for the next season. And what Jeremiah was saying is, listen, I get it. You're in Babylon. Not ideal. But God is not calling you to hold up and not dig in. In fact, God is telling you to literally do the opposite. I want to read that scripture again. It sa he says, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat. Marry and have sons. I love this. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. But the message that they were getting, and I'll put it up on the screen, the message that they were getting was this. And it's a message that we get in our head from the enemy when we're discontent with the season that we're in. Don't dig in. Don't form relationships. Don't let your heart settle here because it's temporary. Oh, and nothing significant will happen here in this season. It's that next one that's significant. It's that next one that's awesome. And so just let this one pass and just survive. 
This is the message from the enemy. And, and Jeremiah is saying, please don't give in to that because I have something incredible, incredible for you right here and now. Um, so when Heather and I were first youth pastors in San Antonio, we, um, the Lord had spoken to us that in, in a short period of time, he was moving us to uh, the Northwest. And we didn't know when, but we just knew that God was calling us for a season to be in the Northwest. And we ended up moving up there for 12 years. But before we moved there, we were in San Antonio as youth pastors. And we were youth pastors of uh, a, a junior high ministry. Incredible kids. And we had been there for a year. And you know, like, a, the first year of anything is really just kind of like getting your feelings and like, you know, kind of meeting some people. It's like that second and third and fourth year, even like a job, right? That second, third, fourth, where you really start digging in and get the, the, the fruit of those relationships. And so we were reaching that point at that year mark where we're like, I don't know if we should really dig in here because we know that God's called us to the Northwest. We just don't know when. It could have been in six months. It could have been in a year and a half. There were some things that needed to take place, but this church had already talked to us and we just said, yeah, like eventually that's what we believe. But right now we're here. And we sat down with Heather's grandma. She's passed now. Her name is Mama E, incredible lady. We were living with her at the time because we were having a house built. San Antonio, you know, it's cheap. It's like $100,000. Man, I wish I would have kept that house. Okay, moving on. Um, having a house built. And we sat down with Mama E and we explained to her and we were basically telling her why we're not going to dig in. Why we're going to kind of not have people over and not like go deep in relationships. Because it's like, first of all, relationships are hard as it is. But when you know you're leaving, that like, just makes it more, more difficult. And, and I don't want to like rip, you know, I don't want to invest in these students and then just tell them we're leaving. And right? oh, it's just easier to just keep people at arm's length and just go, you know what? This is temporary. It's not really all that significant because... It's just a short season. And Mama Yell never forget, changed our life. She looked at us and she said, don't you dare do that. Plant yourself where God has you today. Because she said, you don't know what tomorrow holds. In fact, again, right? Wisdom from an 85-year-old woman. In fact, you're not promised tomorrow. So why are you waiting to give your best tomorrow when all you're promised is today? It changed our life because we were literally telling her. We weren't even asking for advice. We were just saying, hey, we're not going to be here long. So just as a heads up. And she says, no, no, not on my watch. You give yourself fully every day and you just see what God will do. And it, it, it changed our life because at, from that moment on, we were there for another year. Again, it could have been two years. It could have been six months. It happened to be a year. We were there for another year. And I'll tell you what, we dug into this youth ministry. We created an, an a, um, eighth grade leadership team. We had 20 eighth graders. We had them over to our house. We invested in them. And there was a kid named Jimmy. And when we first met Jimmy, he was an absolute mess. I bought him his first Bible. He was one of these kids that's just like difficult to have around because he was always late to be picked up. Sometimes his parents would just forget he was there altogether and he'd either spend the night or we'd have to drive him home, which again, sounds awesome and in ministry, but when you're in the moment, it feels really insignificant and really frustrating. Anyway, we just kind of loved Jimmy. 
there's just this eighth grade mess. And in one year, at the, at the service that we had, our junior high service, where all these kids came around and prayed for us because we were leaving, leaving this season, the season that we almost didn't dig into, Jimmy came, comes up to me after the prayer thing, tears streaming down his eyes. And he says, do you remember a year ago when you started, started having us over to your house and you, you, you bought me a Bible? Tears rolling down his, his eyes. He said, I, I didn't tell you then, but I was, I was considering committing suicide because I was so alone. I was so desperate for attention and I felt like no one cared. But you saw me, you invested in me and I just want to thank you. And I was like, and in that moment, I went back to the conversation I had with Mama E where she said, dig in. Even if you're there for two days or three months, you have no idea the impact you can make in people's lives just because you're like, no, I'm going to be present. I'm going to give my full heart. I'm not going to live guarded because, well, you never know. Now I'm going to go all in. And if God keeps me here forever or for a month, I'm going to live fully. Amen? Amen. Come on. So Jeremiah tells God's people who are in captivity in Babylon, dig in. I am the God of every season. I have rich things for you here in this season, but you will only receive them if you learn to plant yourself. And this was a very difficult message for the people who just got brought to Babylon. Like, dig in. Pray for the peace of the city. Go for it. If they can do it in that season, we can do it in any season. Next idea is this. Stand on your corner of land. Oh, I'm going to dig into it. This is going to be good. Jeremiah chapter 32. So this is a little bit later on in the saga of Babylon. And again, it took some time, a few chapters, for Babylon to fully take Jerusalem. And so at this time, Jeremiah is literally in the city in hiding while there's like ladders, like taking, literally taking Jerusalem. The Babylonians are coming in, taking over. Some have already been brought to Babylon and they're like, this is the final stand. And Jeremiah is hidden in the city and God's talking to him. And this is what he says, by the field at Anatoth, which is in the country of Benjamin, for the right of inheritance is yours and the redemption is yours. As I said, um, so this field that God's saying, you should buy this field because it's in your family's lineage. He actually bought it from his uncle and it's in Jerusalem. It's like a, a mile away from the Temple Mount. So let me get this straight, Lord. Not only has most of our people already been brought to Babylon, the city, it's gonna be taken for sure. In fact, God's already said it's gonna be taken and you want me to buy land. And oh, by the way, the Babylonians totally are not going to honor a land deed. They're going to take that and rip it up and go, sorry, like we took over. This, is, this was not a peaceful contractual situation. They took over, and yet God's saying to Jeremiah, I want you to buy this land because it's your right and inheritance and it's yours. Can you imagine Jeremiah? 
I had, I had high hopes for what God would do with his people. I didn't think it was going to turn out like this. I mean, even in the last moments, I thought God was going to come through. I mean, isn't that what he does? He's never late, never early, always comes on time. And so God, um, I really thought that it wasn't going to come down to this. But I guess that we are going to go to live in Babylon. And I guess that this is just my lot in life. In other words, this isn't a temporary season. This is a permanent season. And this is where the enemy comes to steal our hope for the future. Because now, sorry, Jeremiah, I know you thought God was going to come through and it was going to be awesome, but unfortunately, he didn't. So we're going to be in Babylon. And it would be so easy for Jeremiah and the people to just find themselves in a spot where they're disappointed, deflated, and they're just like, all right, so I guess God's just called us to make, up, make the most of Babylon, right? So that's the word, plant and do all of that because that's just where we're going to grow old and that's where our kids are going to grow up and our future generations of this land, Jerusalem, that you promised, by the way, this is the land that the children of Israel, you know, took over, possessed, right? They marched around Jericho and they took the 10 cities and it's like their land, we lost it. I mean, can you imagine we're the generation that lost the, 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 God's land for his people, now we're going to Babylon, and man, it's probably something we did. We weren't honoring God right or the generational stuff, but whatever it is, we are going to make the most of Babylon. And we're going to give up on those crazy dreams and destinies that, that we believe, that we believed at one time that God has for us. Because it's just too painful to believe for it. And in the middle of that mindset, in the middle of the mindset to say, you know what, you're right, God, we're just going to post up and we're just going to believe that we're going to thrive and bamble on forever. And God's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yes, I want you to build and I want you to marry and I want you to have kids and I want you to increase in Babylon, but I also want you to buy a piece of land. I want you to buy a piece of land. God says, I am the God of every season and they don't have the final word, I do. So Jeremiah is going like, God, you know that the Babylonians are gonna take the land that I'm gonna buy. But the last little bit of money I have, I'm gonna put down on land that the Babylonians are gonna take. And this is gonna mean absolutely nothing. And God's like, I get it. I know that you see things one dimensionally. But you have to know that one day the Babylonians will be unseated and I'll still be seated. So I have the final word. So I want you to buy some land. We good? good. I'm totally confused, right? This is Jeremiah. There are things that God has promised you, great and mighty things that are yours if you hold on to them. I, I put this... This is a beautiful marriage of learning to root yourself where God plants you today while standing on his promises for tomorrow. God, I'm going to be fully present today. 
I'm going to give myself fully in this season, whatever that season, whether it's a job, maybe it's a job, a relationship, right? Just like a season of life. I'm going to give myself fully in this season. But I believe that you've spoken some things to me and that there is promise and destiny. And so I'm going to hold on to that for tomorrow and I'm going to believe. I'm going to speak. I'm going to claim the things that you've given me because this piece of land I'm buying, you're holding the deed to it. You're holding the deed to it. And I believe that you can do anything. So I've told this story before, but... Um, we have new audience, so they get my stories. Um, so my brother uh, had a duplex in uh, Puyallup, Washington. And at the time, we lived in Olympia, Washington. And it was a small duplex that he bought. And they had, they had a younger son. They still have him, had their son, but he was younger then. And um, so I remember going over to their house. And it was just like a small duplex, small little backyard. They had a patio with like a you know, uh, grill on it and like just enough for like a patio table and stuff. And they didn't even have enough room for really like a lot of toys and things for their son. And so I remember going over there and, you know, hanging out in the backyard or whatever and, and uh, um, you know, being excited that they actually like got a duplex that they were able to rent. So a couple months go by and Easter rolls around and Ben's like, uh, my brother Ben's like, you got to come over for Easter. Uh, we're going to have a big celebration, and you have to see my backyard. And I'm thinking, I've seen your backyard, and it's not impressive. <laughs> and he's like, no, I really want you to come over and check it out, because and your kids can play back there, and we have this whole thing. He's like building it up as if I don't know that he has like a poachet stamp for a backyard, you know? And so um, I'm like, sure, yeah, we plan to come over for Easter. It's going to be great. So we go over for Easter. I walk into his backyard, and it's like, four times the size. He's got this hill, big grass area. He's got this big play structure for the kids and he's grilling and he's just hanging out wearing a tank top and just like, what's up, right? And I'm like, what'd you do? Did you like kill the neighbors and take over their, their land? What, what happened? So he starts, he starts sharing the story and he goes, yeah, um, so when we rented this, the, the, on, on paper, the property was bigger when we rented it. And like the owner was talking about the, the backyard and all that kind of stuff. And then when we got there and we rented it, it was just like way smaller. And we just thought maybe the owner, A, hasn't been to his property in a while and, and probably just like overpromised, underproduced, right? Just like, yeah, it's really big. And it just ends up being small. But he was like, it wasn't adding up. And so he actually, my brother's just kind of this person. He's just an investigator. So he's like, I actually went down to the city. Who does this for a rental property, right? So he's like, I went down to the city because I wanted to see what property, right, that we have. So he goes down, he looks at the property line and he realizes that, that the property line goes way beyond his fence. And what had happened is that over the years, because the owner totally neglected his property and never showed up, the neighbors behind him actually took their fence and moved it into his property in between renters and built a fence. So that way when Ben moved in, he's like, well, I guess this is, I guess it's our backyard. And so after seeing the property line, he's like, oh no, we're doing something about this. So he goes to the neighbors and he goes, hey, you know, probably not your intention, right? You probably, it was probably a mistake, but it looks like 
it looks like you kind of moved into our property. And he said the neighbor was just like a total jerk. And he's like, what are you talking about? This is our land, right? So my brother, just being a total boss, he just gets out his sledgehammer and just starts going after the neighbor's fence, builds, like takes fence posts, builds his new fence, like way beyond it, this whole thing. And he's like, what's up? And he goes, oh, by the way, you can't do anything because I have a deed. I have a deed for this land. It says right here that this is what I own according to the owner. And so I'm going to stand on my corner of land and say, listen, it doesn't matter what the Babylonians say. It doesn't matter what my neighbors say. This is the deed. This is, the, this is what belongs to me. And I'm telling you, sometimes we find ourselves in Babylon, but it doesn't mean that the promises of God are not for us. And sometimes we just got to take it, right? It's, it, it's, sometimes as Christians, we just go, well, I guess this is just my backyard, right? I'm going to be the martyr. You know, I guess, I guess just God just wants to bless them with my land. And you know, my little five-year-old son, he's not going to have anywhere to play, but I guess if God wanted us to have it, then he'd move the fence. No, come on, tear that thing down. Go build some new posts on a new border line. Yeah. And that border is joy. That border is the peace that passes understanding. That border is the hope and destiny for the future. That border is, listen, I don't live in condemnation and shame and in my past, but I'm moving forward because there's an upward call. And God's calling me to that upward call. He's calling me to rise up this year. So I'm building a new border this year. Where's the new border for you? Where's the border where it's just like way back here and you've been barbecuing on this like silly little potch of land where your kids have nowhere to, nowhere to play and God's like, it's time to extend the border. You've been living like that too long and God's not gonna do it for you. He already purchased the land for you. It's already yours. Remove the false fence and build a new one on the land God has for you. Stand on your corner. So what does this look like? I'm going to land here. My last idea is this. Simple obedience brings great reward. So we're going to bloom where we're planted. Wherever God plants us for however long, we're going to give our whole heart. We're not going to live guarded. We're not going to live temporary. We're going to live fully. We're going to stand wherever God's plant planted us. We're going to stand on the promises that he has for us. And, and, and how that looks for you in whatever season you're at is it looks like simple obedience. I love this. So God, God tells Jeremiah to buy a plot of land that, that the Babylonians are literally possessing as he's writing the deed out. And then... This is all God's instruction, specific instruction for Jeremiah. Take these documents, both the sealed and unsealed copies of the deed of purchase, and put them in a clay jar so they will last a long time. Marching orders. I don't want you to just claim the land and just say it's yours. I want you to get 
signed copies, sealed and unsealed. I want you to get a clay jar that's going to last. And then I want you to put it in there because that obedience, you doing that is going to do something to your spirit. It's going to say, you know what? Yeah, Babylonians, they own this land today, but they won't always own it. Because I'm going to put this deed in something that's going to last, which means it matters. And sometimes God has us do silly things that make no sense to the outside world, but they are profound to you, to your family, to the things of God. And so in this season, God's going to ask you to do some things. And maybe up here they make no sense, but it's the simple obedience that brings incredible reward. Some of the most significant things we can do can seem small and insignificant, even foolish, like a waste. It's a waste. Never, never underestimate simple obedience. First Corinthians, I love this. Chapter one, verse 27. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, the base things of the world, the things which are despised. God has chosen. So Jeremiah goes, all right, Lord, I'll bite. I'll buy this land. Then I'll get it signed. He had people coming in, making sure that it's all signed. It's all done. And then he finds a clay jar. So it's going to last. Like these promises are last. They're for the future. They're not going anywhere. This isn't just my emotions. It's not just in my head. See, here's the thing. It could have just been just between him and the Lord and just like, all right, God, I'll buy the land. And I won't tell anybody. But he's like, no, I need you to come out on this. I need you to get people involved. I need you to go get a clay pot. I need you to put it in there. And then, I, and then, and then it's something that you can see. It's a visible thing because it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. So he did all this. Because God knew that Jeremiah would buy the land and one day he would send his son to stand on the land, open up the scroll and read Jeremiah 61, Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Come on, this is, this is a prophetic voice to the captives, those who were in Babylon, who've been brought out. And Jesus is now saying, there's a different kind of captive on the inside, but you know what it's like. You know what it's like to be brought into captivity. And so Jesus is standing on this land that Jeremiah bought and he's saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to do this. Proclaim liberty to the captives and open of the prison doors to those who are bound. The proclamation of the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. Listen, I'm just here to tell you that the seasons that we're in oftentimes seem insignificant. And God will tell you to do certain things and they don't make a whole lot of sense. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing and he's going to use your life. But here's the thing. He's not going to use your life in some distant future, in some distant scenario. It's today. The season that God has each and every one of us is significant. It's meaningful. God is on the throne. He has not forgotten about your land. 
He's not forgotten about the incredible things he has for you. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for today. The place that you have every single one of us. Jesus, there are those of us who we've kind of settled for a backyard that doesn't have a lot going in. Maybe we feel like that's all we've earned, that's all we deserve. And so we've made do. Say, so God, I guess that's, I don't know, I don't, I, don't have, I don't have enough faith to believe for much more than that. And I pray in this moment that you, by your Holy Spirit, are showing us that, that this false fence needs to come up. And it needs to be torn down. And it's what Jesus, you were preaching on that day, standing on the land that Jeremiah purchased. And he was saying, I've come to bust open the way. I've come to tear down that fence and show you the purpose and destiny that I have for you. And so God, I pray that today, as your people, we would learn to lay hold of that. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're even now, you're showing us the small obedient steps that you're asking us to take that may make no sense whatsoever. But Jesus, they're gonna yield a great reward. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you.